Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. As an opener, we're not going to shake hands or fist bump. We were going to fist bump, but then I saw a couple people go like this, and then fist bump, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. So we're just going to do elbows, okay? I guess this coronavirus is really hitting, and uh, we'll make that a part of the the prayer later in the service, but um, I don't want... I don't want that to spread around, you know. I, I want us to be considerate of God's temple that he's entrusted us with. So let's, let's I'll show you, Jim. This is, we, Jim and I already did it. This is the hugger. This is the main culprit right here. <laughs> he, he's awesome, Jim. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad everybody's here. With that time change, that's amazing. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt that we start at 10. You know, that's not a real early service. Just a heads up, just because one of my buddies who starts at nine, they change it every year on the time, like whenever it's spring forward, they meet at 10. Isn't that wise? I think that's wise. I got a couple announcements. Walkathon. You want to walk with hope? Saturday. Saturday. This Saturday. Where is it? It's at Orange Lutheran. At Orange Lutheran. Starts at 9 a.m. Tuesday is double match day. Anybody within her earshot is just hearing it twice. But everybody else is just hearing it for the first time. There's a Walk for Hope. It meets at Orange Lutheran. It's double. Uh, look it up online, walkforhope.org maybe. Yeah, probably. And it's double match day if you want to. I'm going to be walking um, and because we need hope, right? So we're walking for hope, 9 o'clock in the morning, Orange Lutheran. My little brother almost went there. He went to St. Paul's Lutheran, but then he ended up going to Villa Park High School, like where I went, instead of Orange Lutheran. But Orange Lutheran's a good school. I think they're the Panthers. Go Panthers. They're the Lancers? Did you go to Orange Lutheran? I don't know. I, maybe because of the time change, I just feel like we have extra time. Maybe it's because I'm not preaching. Awesome. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, we also have a free CPR training that same exact Saturday. It's here at 10 o'clock to noon. Um, make sure some people are there. Anything else? Lenten quiet nights and Lenten family nights. I want a correct understanding of Lenten family nights. It's, it, you don't have to be a parent of young children or a grandparent of young children. It's mainly us as a family. It's the Griffiths gathered around the table of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant family, and we go through that family devotional. And last Wednesday, it was ridiculous. It was really good. I really liked it. Let's all stand up and greet each other with an elbow bump, and then we'll worship the Lord in a minute. All right, let's stand for this morning's call to worship. Yeah, Everly can even do an elbow bump. That's excellent. Let's quiet our hearts, still ourselves. And instead of a call to worship, I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. We set aside this time for you. Please take over the throne of our lives. 
please speak to us and change us from the inside out like only you can. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. Send the children and youth forward. Am I on? There we go. All of you woke up early. How hard was it to get up this morning? Hard? Hard. Hard? No, not hard? Good for you. Did you go to bed early? No? All right. Good for you anyway. It was hard for me too. So I want to start this morning by sharing. You can share if you want to. You can share if you don't want to. And here's my question. If you think back over this past week, what is one thing that you just nailed it? That if you had Jesus right in front of you, he would go, well done, you did a great job. And what is one thing that you're maybe not so proud of? That if Jesus were in front of you, you would be a little ashamed that you didn't do that quite right. And I'll start. I'll give you, I'll, I thought about this. So last week, I had a coworker who had an emergency at home, and he came into my office and he said, Amy, I've got to leave. 
And I didn't think at all about all the work he had on his desk. I said, you go. Go do what you need to do. I'll do your work for you. So I'm like, well done. You know, and I had to stay at work late, and I had to get my work done and his work done. But I felt really good that he got to go and do what he needed to do. I think Jesus would be proud of that. And then there was my not-so-good moment. My dad's getting a little older. He can't hear so well. I got a little bit grumpy with him, maybe raised my voice a little bit with him. I definitely did not honor my dad the way God asks us to. And I would be a little bit ashamed if Jesus were here today and asked me about it. Who wants to share? Come on, come on. Come on, I know there's one or two brave ones that will share. Guys? So you're telling me you were all 100% good last week? Really? Okay. Here's my brave, here's my brave person. Okay, she did a lot of math. Jesus would say, well done on the math. Okay. Made her room very messy, not willing to clean it. <laughs> I'm thinking that might be dishonoring your mom and dad a little bit if they're wanting your room clean. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, thank you very much for your courage to share. Can I have at least one more sharing? Come on, guys. Yes, thank you. You did great in your baseball game, so you're um, prepping for it and training for it and your athleticism. You did good. Well done. And then I didn't do all my English work. Okay. <laughs> my grade reflected that. Okay. So homework, not so good on. That's your real job. <laughs> But anyway, so what I want to talk about is everything. God created us clean, and we are clean through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do a little bit of a science experiment. And every time we do the not-so-good things, we maybe lie, we dishonor our parents, we don't do our job well, you can see what happens. The not-so-good things start to kind of get into our life and permeate it and kind of swirl it around, and then what happens? What happens to our nice, clean life that Jesus created for us, that he paid the price for? Kind of gross, kind of dirty, not the way he created us. So how, how do we make it clean? Maybe if we're just better. We'll do better next time. That's not going to do it. Because we're relying on ourselves, and we're the ones who kind of got us into this place. Any ideas at how we get washed clean again? Tell the truth. What do you think? Pray to God. What would you pray? Ask for forgiveness. Say, wow, Lord, I really didn't do so good. So we pray to God, and we ask for forgiveness. And what happens? The Holy Spirit 
pours over us and he pours into our life and he mixes with our life and he says, you are forgiven. You are clean again. You are the way that I created you to be. And only God can do that. We can't do it just trying to act better or do better. Only God can do that, take away the dirt in our lives. Will you please pray with me? Merciful and holy God, help us to ask you for forgiveness and help us to forgive the people who have really hurt us. Redeem us and make us clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've done this before as a congregation. And there's a nice little responsive part that Jason mentioned earlier. It says, and all the people said, amen. And I think you can handle that part of nothing else. We'll lead you through the rest.
could never return I've closed the door I will walk the path I will run the race And I will never be the same again I will never be the same again I can never return I can close the door I will walk the path I will run the race And I will never be the same again Fall like fire So to that truth, right? Um, Sharon was supposed to do the prayer confession, and, but she's feeling under the weather, so I get another part in the service. This is the part of the service where we, this turns into a Sinners Anonymous meeting, and we, we step forward, and actually, it's nice that the table's down here, because, because of what we celebrate at this table we, we get to come forward to this place 
and exchange our sin and our filth for his righteousness, for Jesus the Son's righteousness. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. So let's, let's pray our prayer of confession together. For failing to love others as you have loved us, God of grace, forgive us. For wasting your gifts and hoarding our goods, God of grace, forgive us. For plundering the earth and abusing the planet, God of grace, forgive us. For fearing those who are strange to us and ignoring those in need, God of grace, forgive us. For losing heart and abandoning hope, God of grace, forgive us. For all the ways we turn from you, God of grace, forgive us. We offer our prayers in the name of the one who saves us, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It says in scripture that if we are faithful and just to bring our sins to to him, the heavenly father, through the blood of Christ and through his work on the cross, the father proclaims we be forgiven. And he removes the sin as far as the east is from the west. That's a mighty far distance, right? Praise be to Jesus, we are forgiven. Let's sing to the glory of our Father.
choir, that was really beautiful. Okay, I'm starting out with a test. Who was in church two weeks ago? Who remembers what Pastor Jason preached on? Do you remember? I got it. I got it. I got your back, everyone. He preached on loving our enemies. He reminded us that Jesus died for them too. Jesus died for the people that we don't care for. Jesus died for the people that we hold grudges against. The sun rises on the just and the unjust, and we are all covered by God's grace. Not us and them out there, but we are covered by God's grace, all of us. Sound familiar? Were you there? Okay. So Pastor Jason challenged us to make it right with our enemies, right then. He said, right now in the service, make it right with your enemies. And so I did a quick mental check in my mind, and nobody came to mind. So I thought, I'm good. I'm good. Well done, Amy. And then Pastor Jason used the term unfriend. How many of you have Facebook accounts? How many of you know what Facebook is? So a social, a social media platform where you can tell your friends what's going on in your life. But for those who don't have it, if, you, if somebody wants access to know what's going on in your life, they send you a friend request. And you have three options. You can say yes, you can say no, or you can just ignore them. <laughs> and when you have these friends who are looking in on your Facebook account, if for whatever reason you decide you no longer want them to have access to your account, you do not delete them, you unfriend them. And that does not send them a notice that says, you have just been unfriended by Amy. You just simply are no longer in their friend list. Well. There are three people that I have unfriended on Facebook. I do not consider them enemies. I do not wish ill against them. And quite honestly, I don't even spend much time thinking about them. But if God is bringing them to mind, then I still have work to do. This week, we're going to continue in our Lenten study of the Beatitudes in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 14. Jesus has just taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And these next two verses follow the end of the Lord's Prayer. Beginning in verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. The simplicity and the clarity of these two verses is compelling, and we cannot just brush by it. Forgiveness is not an option. God requires it of us. In the Lord's Prayer that we recite every week together, 
we say, Lord, forgive us our debts as? Yep. The Lord's Prayer is already assuming that we forgive others. And in return, then, we're in a right relationship with God to then go before him and ask for forgiveness on our part. Verse 14 underscores that if we forgive others, then God will forgive us. In the Lord's Prayer, if we forgive, um, if we forgive us our debts, then we will forgive, or as we forgive our debtors. But verse 15, if we do not extend forgiveness, then God will not forgive us. The Greek word here used for forgiveness is aphiomi. It is a command. Forgiveness is not a suggestion. Forgiveness is not a recommendation. Forgiveness is a command, and God requires it of us. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness is not optional. The Bible is filled with stories about broken relationships, forgiveness, healing, and transformation. Jacob, he steals the blessing from his older brother Esau and then fears out of, flees out of fear of him. And then years later, he meets with Esau, and what happens? Esau runs to him and hugs him and forgives him. Joseph is sold into slavery by his jealous older brothers. Many years pass. There's a famine in Israel. The brothers go down to Egypt in search of food, and lo and behold, they find Joseph there. And Joseph embraces them and forgives them, provides them food and shelter. Paul was a righteous and pious Jew, and he was also a persecutor of Christians. But he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was forgiven, and he was transformed. Think of the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the woman caught in adultery, the prodigal son, all were forgiven, all were transformed. Forgiveness is one of the defining traits of Christian discipleship. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And forgiveness goes hand in hand with love because those closest to us have access to hurt us. And forgiveness restores us into a right relationship with each other. We are capable of offering forgiveness because God first forgave us. And not only did Jesus pay the penalty for us with his very life, but as he was dying, he implored God, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. God's forgiveness is gracious, but it is not free. Christ paid with his very life. Why? So that we could live free, so that we could live forgiven, so that he paid a debt that none of us could ever pay. 
In the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, Jesus recounts the story of a king who calls a servant in to settle his account. The servant owes the king some huge amount, let's say a million dollars, and he can't pay it. And he begs the king, give me more time. I'll pay it. Give me more time. And the king surprises him, and he cancels the debt. Free and clear. You're good to go. And the servant leaves, and he finds a fellow who owes him something like $10. And the fellow pleads with him, please give me more time. And he says, no. And he sends him off to debtor's prison. And when the king finds out, he calls the servant in and has him thrown into jail to be tortured until he can pay. The king replies, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And Jesus goes on to say, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. Forgiveness is a requirement for all of us who have been forgiven. We are not given the luxury of holding on to our bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander towards other people. We just aren't. God is not ambiguous here. He's very clear. Forgiveness is a command, not optional. So if the command to forgive is clear, where do we start? Well, let's start. Who, who do we need to forgive? Who has hurt us intentionally or unintentionally? Do we need to ask God for forgiveness for our mistakes and failures? Who have we hurt that we need to ask them for forgiveness? Let's start with those who, are, who we are holding unforgiveness towards. Perhaps somebody lied to you. Perhaps they abused your trust in them. That was the case of the three people I unfriended on Facebook. Perhaps someone swindled from you, stole from you. Perhaps you were abused at the hands of someone you trusted or even a stranger. These offenses are not necessarily of the same caliber, but they all have the potential to create an attitude of unforgiveness, and that attitude of unforgiveness keeps us in bondage. When we identify those who have caused us pain, the very first step is just a willingness on our part to forgive. For those who have betrayed our trust, who have hurt us to our very core, to even think that we can forgive on our own, it's not possible. We need God. How many of you are familiar with the life and story of Corrie ten Boom? I've actually used her in a different illustration. Her family was a part of the Dutch underground in Amsterdam. They were hiding Jews and members of the resistance until the whole family was caught and the whole family was sent away to concentration camps. After the liberation of the camps, 
the death of all of her family members, Corey went on to become what she called herself a tramp for the Lord, and she traveled all around the world wherever God sent her. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey writes of an encounter when she was speaking in Germany after the war. For the first time since she had left the concentration camp, Corey faced one of her abusive guards in the audience. Following her message on forgiveness, the guard excitedly approached her and said, How grateful I am for your message, Fräulein, to think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. And he thrust out his hand to shake her hand. She was paralyzed. Even as she thought back to all the messages that she had ever preached on forgiveness, she couldn't raise her hand to shake the guard's hand. Angry and vengeful thoughts began flowing through her mind, and she immediately saw the sin of those thoughts. She understood that Jesus had died for that guard that was standing in front of her. How could she ask for more? And so she prayed, Lord Jesus, forgive me and help me forgive him. Nothing. She couldn't even smile, let alone raise her hand. And she silently prayed again, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And with that, she was able to take his hand, and she felt a current pulsing through her to him. And she realized this. I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than it is on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on him. When God tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, love itself. And I would add to her statement and say the same can be said about forgiveness. When God tells us to forgive, he gives, along with the command, the forgiveness for us to extend. So let's spend a minute and understand what is forgiveness and what it's not. Forgiveness is not a feeling, because let's be honest, if we waited till we felt like we wanted to forgive, none of us would. It is a sheer act of will. Forgiveness is a series of choices on our part to call on God to change our heart. As Corey did, Lord Jesus, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Forgiveness is not forgetting. To forget is passive, but forgiveness is active. Forgiveness involves a conscious decision on our part. Lord, help me to forgive him. And a deliberate action on our part, thrusting our hand forward to shake the hand of our abuser. Forgiveness is not excusing. Quite the opposite. Forgiveness looks clearly at the offense, and it calls that offense wrong. 
But in an act of will, we choose to forgive as God has forgiven us. Christian author Philip Yancey says this, The scandal of forgiveness confronts anyone who agrees to a moral ceasefire just because someone said, I'm sorry. When I feel wronged, I can contrive a hundred reasons against forgiveness. He needs to learn a lesson. I don't want to encourage irresponsible behavior. I'll let her stew for a little while. It'll do her good. She needs to learn that actions have consequences. I was the wronged party. It's not up to me to make the first move. How can I forgive if the other person isn't even sorry? I marshal my arguments until something happens to wear down my resistance, when finally I soften to the point of granting forgiveness. It seems a capitulation, a leap from hard logic to mushy sentiment. But forgiveness breaks the cycle of blame and loosens the stranglehold of guilt. When somebody wrongs us, a debt is created. And we have, as the debtor, every right to collect on that debt. Forgiveness, a theomy, literally means to let go, to release. And that Greek word was often used to refer to debts that have been canceled, like the parable of the king and what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. But there are no free lunches. There are no free pardons. If somebody owes me $1,000 and they say, Amy, I can't pay it, and I say, that's okay. I will forgive the debt. What did it cost me? $1,000. When someone is forgiven, Someone else has paid the price. When our Lord forgives us, he has paid the price. Forgiving someone who is unrepentant is difficult, and yet it's not about them. It's essential in our relationship with Christ. Forgiveness is not optional, and forgiveness ultimately sets us free. Remember the guard's interaction with Corey? She does not record that the guard admitted to wrongdoing or asked for her forgiveness. Rather, he just acknowledged his newfound relationship with Christ, that he is now forgiven and free. The old has passed away. He is made new in Christ. But still, Corey did her part in extending forgiveness in her heart and then by accepting his handshake. But she did it only by the grace of God. Sometimes forgiveness will come quickly, as in Corey's example, but other times forgiveness is a long, long process. In Matthew 18, Peter comes up to Jesus and he says to him, Lord, if somebody sins against me, how often should I forgive them? As many as seven times? And realize Peter thinks he's given a very high number to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, 
but 70 times 7. Who are my math people? What's my number? 490 times. Sometimes forgiveness is a very long process. What about those we have wronged? How many people are familiar with the 12-step program? Know about it. Step eight is to make a list of all persons that we have harmed and be willing to make an amends to each one. By making a list of all those that we have harmed, we are holding ourselves accountable, as is God, and we are admitting that we are human and have made mistakes. We develop compassion for ourselves, and we develop empathy for those that we have harmed. Regardless of whether you are in a 12-step program, you know of the 12-step program, we can all do step eight. And we begin by making an amends where an amends is needed. When we repent, we change our behavior, which results in a complete change of thinking and attitude. The act of making an amends, of repenting, of being honest about our past will not change our past. It's not a magic eraser. But it does release us from the bondage of our past to live in freedom in the present. And when we repent and ask God for forgiveness, God forgives us because he already paid the debt for us. John 1 says, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like the little science experiment I did for the kids, we're dirty and then we're clean. The application for today. Spend some time with God and ask him to bring to mind the names of those people who we may be holding grudges against people who need our forgiveness. Ken Sandy, founder of Peacemakers Ministry, summarizes four promises that Christians make when they forgive one another. I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring up this incident to use against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. And I will not let this incident come between us or hinder our personal relationship. The second application is to ask God for forgiveness for any wrongs that we have committed against him. God promises that if we are truly repentant, he will forgive us. He will forgive our wickedness and he will remember our sin no more. And as Pastor Jason said, as far as the east is from the west is as far as God has removed our transgressions from us. And lastly, make amends for those that we have wronged. Last week, Pastor Jason preached on Nicodemus. And he said, when the Holy Spirit gets involved, things drastically change. We are transformed. I jotted that down as soon as he said it because it's true. It's true. 
When the Holy Spirit gets involved, things drastically change. We are transformed. It was true for Nicodemus 2,000 years ago, and it remains true for each and every one of us today. We can't forgive apart from the Holy Spirit, not if somebody has really hurt us, but if we are willing to forgive then the Holy Spirit will get involved and things will drastically change and we will be healed and we will be transformed and we will be set free in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.
It all hinges on God's forgiveness. Amen? Amen. We continue in worship, and this is part of the service where we return to God just a portion of the goodness that he's given us. It's our tithes and offerings. go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, we praise you for this beautiful day. I praise you for this beautiful family. I praise you for the word just delivered to us through your vessel, Amy. I pray that you would continue to work in us. I pray that you would bring those people we need to forgive and ask for forgiveness from to mind. I pray that you would give us the courage to do the hard work of putting you on the throne of our lives. We lift up 
those that are being afflicted by the coronavirus. I pray for our loved ones that you would protect. I pray that you would heal and show up, O oh great physician, and mend in ways that only you can. Pray for our government and the elections and all the turmoil that I pray that you would remind us as your people this doesn't surprise you. I pray that we would find refuge and strength in you and you would lead your people. Lord, lift up Sharon as she's struggling under the weather. I lift up those part of this church family that are going through the deepest valleys of their lives. Comfort. Hold them. Lord, we pause and we lift up those that we love. We also, we pause and we lift up those who need to know you. Heavenly Father, help us to forgive as we've been forgiven. We submit to you. And we pray the prayer you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand, and let's sing our hymn of commitment. O God, our help in ages past.
prayer for each one of us, myself included, is the willingness to forgive because that will throw open the door for the Holy Spirit to enter in, to drastically change things. And watch out, guys, because behind it will come healing and transformation and freedom. May the grace of our God, love of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today, this week, and as we go forward. Amen and amen. Thank you.